Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, hour one. Hello, America. It is Eric Erickson here. I hope you are doing great today as I get over this cold I've got. Uh, we got a lot to talk about after everything that's happened in the last few days. I want to bring you up to speed on what's happened with the Mar-a-Lago situation. It actually is rather big news. The Judge Cannon, federal district judge appointed by Trump down in Florida, uh, announced that there will be a special master who will review for privilege the documents. I want to get into that. First, the phone number, if you want to be on the show, 877-973-7425. This situation, I got to say, I feel kind of bad for a lot of the news media networks. You know, Jeffrey Tubin at CNN is out of a job. One of the reasons Tubin is out of a job other than tugging his Tubin was because he was cast in the role as objective legal analyst at CNN and, and the network for years was willing to put up with him. But the new guys come in, they want to do more news and, and has this position that if you're cast in the role as somewhat objective, you should be objective. And in fact, he wasn't. So uh, they they canned him and John Harwood last week. They got rid of John Harwood, who was a uh, progressive commentator who pretended to be uh, an objective guy, and he's not an objective guy. He's a very very progressive partisan, always has been. Um, but this this is a problem here. So many of the talking heads in the media hate Donald Trump. They just do. They think he should be in jail yesterday. As a result of this, it's very hard to get unbiased commentary, even from the people cast in the roles as unbiased commentators on, for example, the law. Follow along with me on this one, because this is actually really important. This is a unique situation in American history. This situation actually has never existed before. It is different from Hillary Clinton's server. It's different from the the Clinton investigation. It's different from even the Nixon situation to a degree, although that to some degree may be a closer parallel given some of the assertions being made. But we have not seen a situation in American history. Regardless of what you think, like, for example, I made this point on the weekend. People are like, what about Obama taking documents? It actually was the fact pattern was different. You have to pay attention in the law to fact patterns. I used to be a lawyer This was not my area of law, but that gets to a point I'm going to make here. Every situation is very dependent on fact patterns, motivations, intent, things like that. And you have to pay attention to those things. We have never seen a situation in American history where a departing president took a massive pile of classified and top secret documents. We just haven't. And it appears he may have sent the documents back in some cases, but left the cover sheets that had the top secret classified label on them. But the folders were empty, suggesting he sent the documents back. The left is speculating, oh, he sold the documents. He got rid of the documents. No, he he sent them back to the National Archives, uh, took them out of their folders and sent them back. We've never seen a situation like this concurrently. We've never seen a situation where the Department of Justice sent the FBI to go to the building of the former president in his his new home and seize the documents and recover them. We've never seen that fact pattern. This fact pattern is something that hasn't existed in American history. So there was a lot of bluster on TV of of the, the legal commenters. Well, of course, there's no reason for a special master. What Donald Trump did is ask for a special master, essentially 
because he's asserting executive privilege on some of these documents. He wants a special master from the executive branch. It has to be, this is very important, and it has to be someone from the executive branch because he's asserting executive privilege. You can't have someone from the legislative or judicial branches looking at an executive matter if executive privilege is sorted, asserted. So he wants someone to look at the documents and to sort through those documents that are privileged. In fact, the Justice Department admitted to the judge in Florida that they have found some documents that arguably are privileged which means the Justice Department has been digging through the documents. So all Donald Trump wanted was a special master to review the documents in lieu of the Department of Justice reviewing the documents to sort what was appropriate and what was not for the president to have based on executive privilege. Now, the the argument from la resistance, those people who since the moment Trump was elected have wanted him in jail, is that a former president cannot assert executive privilege against an existing president. Only the existing president can assert executive privilege. Now, you should know, this is in part uh, Justice Scalia's argument in his famous dissent in Morrison, I think it's Morrison versus Olson. It's a very, very famous case because it was an eight-to-one case where Justice Scalia was in the minority all by himself. And it was a case over um, special prosecutors. And Scalia outlined what would happen with special prosecutors over time if they were allowed to do this. And, And Scalia's chief assertion is that the executive power of the presidency resides in one person at one moment in time and goes to no other person. And at noon on January 20th of a presidential inauguration, the executive power mystically, magically transfers from one man to the next. As the nuclear football slides over, so too does the executive privilege and the executive power. And the prior guy loses all of his powers at that moment. And that's essentially now the left is embracing Scalia's argument. And to his credit, Scalia was prescient on the special prosecutor's law, how the Whitewater uh, investigation and all played out, Ken Starr and the like. Uh, Scalia was very prescient on that, uh, on how it would turn out. And ultimately, that law collapsed and gave way, and Congress refused to renew it. Because of the predictions Scalia made, they all came true. But... So all of these people on the left are out there saying, oh, no, there's no way a former president can assert executive privilege against an existing president because the the executive power resides in one man. That's the current president. The former president can't say there's executive privilege related to these documents, except the Supreme Court has said otherwise. And this is my frustration here with all of this because... If you listen to the talking heads on television and you listen to the, the La Resistance uh, Twitter lawyers who were just smugly self-assured that they were right and Donald Trump had no argument here, you would have ignored the fact that in the late 1970s in a case called Nixon versus Administrative General Services, the United States Supreme Court says it is possible, it is possible that a former president retains some amount of executive privilege 
relating to the things that happened while he was president and relating to the conversations and documents shared amongst his staff to help him make up his decisions. And we should not be so quick to dismiss that a former president doesn't have a level of executive privilege. You would never know that from the commentary on television. This is an existing case. You can read it for yourself. I have. In that case, the Supreme Court found in the particular instance, Richard Nixon uh, was opposed to the General Services Administration getting some documents and, and that they said it didn't apply. But keep in mind, neither Gerald Ford nor Jimmy Carter uh, asserted that Richard Nixon had any sort of executive privilege. In fact, they were opposed to the idea that a former president could have executive privilege. And the Supreme Court said, no, there's a plausible case to be made. We don't think in this case it's right, but we think there are cases where that could be so. So here's my problem, and it's a larger problem about the commentary on, on the situation, and you should know going into this couple things. One, this is not an area of expertise that I have, but I can do the research, as could they, and they clearly didn't. They just relied on an echo chamber. Two, you should understand this is a historically novel situation in American legal jurisprudence. And when you have a historically novel situation in American jurisprudence, you should treat it more delicately the first time out of the gate. The New York Times has a big article about this today saying how novel this is. We've never seen it before, but then asserts that we shouldn't give any sort of special deference to the situation. No, actually, these are the times you do give special deference to the particular situation because you've literally never encountered this situation in American constitutional jurisprudence. It has never existed before. That's the time you do go slow to make sure you get it right out of the gate because you're setting precedence for the future from which there are no precedents before it. And you never know that from any of the commentary. They all just assumed out of the gate, well, I mean, it's Donald Trump screwing. He should be in jail. He can't assert anything. That being said, Judge here, Judge Cannon, nine days ago suggested to the Department of Justice that she was inclined to rule on a special master. She dragged her feet until Labor Day. Party foul on the judge's part. If she was so inclined to do that, she should have done it out of the gate. She should not have dragged her feet because the Justice Department continued to review the documents. In fact, the Justice Department at the time of the hearing said they had already almost finished their review. And then there's the Trump situation you got to understand as well. The Trump team dragged its feet on making this argument. The Trump team itself gave the Justice Department ample time to review the documents before filing a request for a special master to review the documents. The Trump team itself screwed this up. And I know people who are defenders of Donald Trump, they want to double down on defense of Donald Trump, but the problem here is that Donald Trump has a hard time getting good lawyers. And they take this victim mentality that, well, no lawyer wants to work for Donald Trump because la resistance will come for them. Their career will be ruined. And in some cases, that's true. But actually, there are a lot of conservative lawyers who would work for him, except Donald Trump has a reputation of, one, not paying his lawyers, has a long-held reputation in the legal community of not paying his lawyers. And two, 
has a reputation of getting his lawyers in trouble by having them assert facts that then the record shows aren't true. So a lot of really competent, highly skilled, top-notch lawyers are hesitant to work for Donald Trump because they're afraid they'll put their career in jeopardy, not because the left will come for them, but because they'll make assertions in court that turn out not to be true because their client misled them and that he's not going to pay the bill. You may not like that, but that's the truth. So it took the Trump team some time to get together a competent lawyer and legal team to be able to make this case, which bought the Department of Justice time. And then the judge dragged it out by nine days when she didn't have to do it. There really aren't any clean hands here with any of this. It took too long to make the motion. It took too long to render the judgment on the motion. And the Justice Department used that time to plow through the documents when they shouldn't have after the judge said she was inclined to rule on a special master. The Justice Department should have stopped looking through the documents documents and they did not. We know that privileged documents were found. The Justice Department, to its credit, admitted some documents found could have been privileged documents. The Justice Department, if I'm honest here, probably has the better argument. And in fact, probably will the Justice Department win on appeal. But so much of the legal commentary headed into Judge Cannon's decision yesterday to give a special master insisted there's no way she would. And then after it was over, insisted that, well, she's just a partisan apparatchik appointed by Donald Trump. Therefore, that's why she did what she did. And yet they now claim it'll be taken care of on appeal to the 11th Circuit, where a majority of the judges are appointed by Donald Trump. How does that work? Or maybe, just maybe, they should have tried to give a play-it-straight opinion of what was happening and not try to rally the mob against the situation. They can't help themselves, though. They're desperate for Trump to go to jail. But so many people in this country are getting narratives fed to them in the national press corps designed by people who hate Republicans and hate the former president. They demand that you believe that their side is the right side. Nothing else could be true except for their truth. And in fact, they got it wrong. And so now instead of admitting, okay, there was this case, this Nixon case from the late 70s that I didn't know about that suggested actually a former president could have executive privilege, instead they want to scream that the judge is bought and paid for by Donald Trump and undermine the judicial system further. These people are the people they've been warning us about. They're the ones who are willing to burn it all down if they don't get their way. And I'm not sure why we should keep listening to them in the process. You can follow Eric. That's so aggravating, people. And now my computer, of course, decided it was going to glitch at the moment. So let's see if I can play the sound and go to a commercial break. Want to be Maybe, possibly. How about I do this? Jim, sorry. Y'all, this is just one of those things. I... Well, in 11 years of doing radio, I think this is a first. My headphones came unplugged. And so you guys were hearing the out music. And I wasn't hearing the out music. It was convinced something was wrong. My gosh, Uh, in any event, welcome. It is Eric Erickson. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. Don't forget if you text DATA to 33777, you can get the daily email. Now, this is somewhat important here because we're about to start sending out the invites for our conference next year. And if you are a paid subscriber, you get a big discount for the conference, uh, before we open it up to the full public, you get a discount and you get first dibs on getting tickets. 
Uh, so uh, be prepared. Our conference will be a year from now, really, less than a year, uh, August 17th through the 19th of next year in Atlanta. Uh, we'll be inviting all the 2024 contenders to come and some public policy folks, some of the people from Silicon Valley who's concerned. We've got concerns about their platforms. We're inviting them to come answer conservative questions. You're going to want to be here with us next year in Atlanta. Uh, if you text DATA to 33777, you can subscribe for free. And then paid subscribers get all sorts of other stuff in the ticket discount. Now, I'm going to vent for a minute. If you can't tell, and you probably can tell, I've got a bit of a cold, although I'm actually pretty much over it now. Um, the, the the pressure in my head is gone. Can I just express my frustrations um, about when you call the doctor's office and you know you just need a Medros pack? Help break up the congestion, among other things. And now I know I need that because, one, I get this every year. And that's always been the treatment every doctor I've ever used. But more particularly in this particular case, this sickness has gone through the house. It's not COVID. It's just a, it's just a, really, it's a virus. But every single one of us, because of the virus, are the kids' doctors and my wife's doctor, uh, ZPAC and then uh, Medros pack said it's, it's actually viral, but the antibiotic, particularly a ZPAC, will help with some of the inflammation that you got. It's, it's not COVID. Um, but it'll help. And sure enough, it, it, it did me wonders. I felt miserable for about two days, major sinus pressure and the like from sinus infection. And um, the, the, the ZPAC has done wonders, but I got all this congestion and my kids' doctors, that same th- they went through the same thing. Like you need a Metro's pack. My wife's doctor, need a Metro's pack. I've had this before. My old doctor, Metro's pack. And now the new guy, well, you need to come in for a point. I literally don't have time to come to an appointment. Well, if you get feeling worse, you might need to come in. Well, can you just, nope, got to come. All I want is a freaking steroid back. I know it'll make me better. Why? Because I know what this is. Everybody else in the family has it. I'm going to have to do one of the telemedicine things, I think. More people have been telling me I should start doing telemedicine. Don't get me wrong. I actually had a doctor I dearly love um, who may be listening right now. And I had to go to a new doctor by my house as opposed to the doctor I love, Marcus, because I had to, to do a thing for work and, and needed a, a, a needed a physical and they couldn't get me in for months and months. So I had to go to the new guy and I've just kind of the new guy's right by the house, but I don't really have a relationship with him. And I guess if I did have a long-term relationship, it'd be different, but medicine can be very frustrating. It can, when, when you know what's wrong and you know what the treatment should be and that, well, we're the experts, you need to come pay us for a visit. It just gets very frustrating. Uh, but that being said, my wife now has it, and uh, she's sicker than the rest of us with it, but at least she's on a steroid pack now to get over it. Now, when we come back, we got to move on. Uh, there actually is election news, but I'm going to punt the election news until the top of the hour because of what's shaping up today in California. As they're telling people, don't charge your electric cars, a week after they banned fossil fuel vehicles, California no longer wants people to plug in their electric cars. This is a big situation as the sun rises on the West Coast this morning. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program with me. I, I got to timestamp this. It's You'll understand why I've got to timestamp this. Uh, for those of you listening later, I am speaking right now on September 6th, 2022. It is 12.36 p.m. on the nose, Eastern Time, which means 
It is 9.36 on the West Coast in California. And it's hot out there. Um, it is expected today or uh, to be right now, just so you know, in Sacramento, the capital, which is inland, it is 92 degrees at 9.36 a.m. in Sacramento, California. Uh, it is expected today to be 115 degrees in Sacramento, California by around 5 o'clock this evening. Tomorrow, it'll be 108. And on Thursday, it will be 113 degrees. Um, that is what you need to know. In Palm Springs right now, it is 98 degrees. It'll be 116 there today, 109 tomorrow, 109 on Thursday. It is very hot in California. Death Valley is the hottest part of the country. It's in California. It is expected to be 124 degrees by 5 p.m. today. It is 106 right now. Tomorrow it'll be 121. Thursday it'll be 120. Friday, it'll be 114. It'll be 100 on Saturday in Death Valley. Now, there aren't a lot of people in Death Valley, but there are a lot of people in California in the heat. It's already above 100 degrees in many parts of California, and it's getting hotter. And in virtually the entire state, it will be 111 degrees or higher. Now, if you're along the coast in California, you've got to understand one of the, the phenomena, weather phenomena that, that explains part of the way this country works. Ocean currents above the equator run clockwise. Ocean currents above the equator run clockwise which means on the east coast of the United States, the Gulf Stream pulls warm water up the eastern seaboard and out across over to Great Britain. It's one reason why the United Kingdom actually has milder winters because that warm water from the Gulf Stream surrounds the UK. And then from the North Sea down the European continent towards Africa, cooler water is pulled down and it circles around clockwise. The warm water here goes up and over, the cool water there goes down and across the equator back to the Caribbean. As that water heats up along the, the equator headed from Africa to the Caribbean, it pulls over storms, and that's why you get hurricanes on the East Coast, and you don't get hurricanes on the West Coast, because on the West Coast, the West Coast is on the other side of the clock. So you're pulling cold water down from Alaska, down the West Coast, across the equator, out into the Pacific. The Pacific, of course, larger expanse of water there. It can get warmer. You can have the La Nina and the El Nino effect. This is not your meteorology class, but there's a point here because along the coast, if you go to California, Washington State, Oregon, along the coast, the weather there is going to be freaky. Uh, in San Francisco, if you've never been there, in San Francisco, they have community weather forecasts. So I can give you the weather forecast for Macon, Georgia. I can give you the weather forecast for Atlanta, Georgia. I can give you the forecast for Tampa, Florida. I can give you the weather forecast for Chicago, Illinois. 
in San Francisco, you get the weather forecasts uh, depending on the little micro region of the area because it can be foggy one minute, hot the next minute, cold the next minute. People there, a lot of them don't have air conditioners because the temperature tends to be mild. There will be heat waves there, but those heat waves there are, are never uh, massive along the coast. You know, in, in Beverly Hills, California right now, let's see what the weather is in Beverly Hills, California right now. Uh, it is 83 degrees in Beverly Hills. You go an hour inland, it's 100 degrees. There's a mountain range there. The problem, however, is that in a lot of California, it still gets hot. And in the Los Angeles area, there's so much concrete, so much asphalt, uh, and it, the air doesn't circulate in, in some parts of even the Los Angeles area. The, the place is so massive. Uh, you have a lot of people who are very hot. Now, this again, this is not meteorology and this isn't meant to bore you. This is meant to explain the situation to you. There is a massive, massive heat wave on the West Coast right now. And a lot of people live right on the coast and on the coast, you have very mild temperatures, but you go 20 miles inland and you go from 83 degrees to 100 degrees, 10, 15, 20 miles inland. It's one of the most bizarre climate zones I've ever experienced in my life, uh, going out there and seeing that you, you will wake up and it'll be cool where you are on the beach because that water comes down from Alaska. Here, remember, on the East Coast, if you go to a beach in Florida or, or South Carolina, North Carolina, go to Myrtle Beach, you're pulling warm water up from the Gulf of Mexico. In California, you're pulling cold water down from Alaska, and that shapes the climate right along the coast. But you get further inland, you get desert. There's mountains there. The way the weather works there, they don't get the hurricanes like we do on the East Coast because uh, the flow is, is out towards the Pacific. Occasionally, some will spiral in, but the weather is different, and it's hot, and you get into deserts, and they're having a massive heat wave, and so they're having a massive drain on their power grid. A week ago in California, despite all of this, despite uh, this is history, this is not climate change. This is the way it's always been in California. Certainly, Californians would argue they're having more droughts now. They are having more spikes in temperature now. But we've always had these sort of weather phenomena in California because of the way the water flows down from Alaska. It affects the climate. The, the jet stream flows affects the climate. All of these sorts of things. And you need to understand that historic pattern. And into that historic pattern, California has decided to stop building nuclear power plants, turn off the natural gas plants and the car fossil fuel-based plants, the coal-burning power plants, and put up windmills and solar panels. And a week after they announced the ban of the fossil fuel-burning vehicle, California's governor is begging people now not to charge their electric vehicles. A week after telling people they can't buy fossil fuel burning vehicles anymore and in a few years they'll put the ban in place, you don't have enough power in the power grid to charge the vehicles in part because people have turned the air conditioner on because it's so hot. This isn't going to work long-term for them. They're allowing the Diablo, Diablo power plant, the nuclear power facility that was going to go offline. They're going to allow it to continue. Michael Schillenberger, who ran for governor out there, he's an environmentalist. He's not of the right. He's an environmentalist, but he doesn't believe the nightmare scenarios over global warming, and he doesn't think we can get rid of a fossil fuel-based power system anytime soon. And he just put this out there. 
Of California's 30,398,249 motor vehicles, 1.9% or 563,070. 563,070 vehicles are electric vehicles out of 30.39 million or 1.9%. And California is asking those 563,070 vehicle owners not to plug up their cars. According to the state of California, California will need 17 gigawatts of additional electricity to power all of those electrical cars. To put this in perspective, Diablo Canyon Nuclear Plant, the plant California has decided to keep online, only produces 2.3 gigawatts of power. In other words, you're going to have to build 21 gigawatts of new electricity, which means you're going to have to build 20 new full-size nuclear power plants in order to meet California's demand for electric vehicles. Do you really believe California is going to build 20 new full-size nuclear power plants before their electric vehicle demand goes into place? But wait, you say, they could just use solar and wind. Except solar power would need 379 times more land than presently has. And wind power would need 421 times more land than the presently is consumed in California for that. And you would start impacting areas of endangered species, like the, uh, the one of the tortoises and the golden eagle. And by the way, you couldn't import the power either. Uh, the U.S. Uh, Geological Survey scientists concluded if anticipated growth in wind energy by 2040 occurs, increased turbine-caused deaths cut golden eagle populations in half over 10 years. And additionally, you don't have the power infrastructure to be able to import that much power into California. These people want to shake up the entire economy for cult demands. You cannot transition all of California and by the way, we don't have battery storage capabilities. A scientist is out of the Los Angeles Times today pointing out there literally is not enough lithium on planet Earth to build all of the batteries needed to sustain an entirely battery-powered vehicle system and build the battery backup storage systems for excess power supply. You physically do not have enough lithium. It's not even a matter of the laws of physics. It's a matter of the laws of supply and demand. They do not exist. It's like the people who are making these demands don't know what they're actually asking, but I suspect they do. This weekend, I wrote a piece. I actually didn't intend to write the piece. I, I wrote a piece. If you're a subscriber to my email, you got it on Sunday. I just said some ramblings. I had some stuff I would actually, I tend to be somebody who writes to think. I write and it helps me shape my thoughts and I had some muddled thoughts in my head and I wanted to write and get them out and it was really about um, people of faith involved in politics and how I think we're running out the clock on being able to share the gospel and so many of us are distracted by social media and performing on social media, building audiences of our own. We're growing our own audience instead of the kingdom of God. But in the process of writing this piece, it wound up being 1,440 words exactly. I wrote... 24 words. And I want to read those 24 words to you because it's something I've said on this program before. And these people 
on the left seized on these words. Here's the sentence, it's 24 words. The world just seems to be headed back into some sort of dark age, complete with reliance on the wind and sun for power. Now I've said that before on this program. And it's a throwaway line I've used, I think is kind of funny, kind of clever, kind of makes a point. But in this 1,440 word piece, every single progressive who read that piece seized on that line and it enraged them. How is this not possible? How do you how do you dispute this? How can you say this? Well, I can say it because I'm a kind of a facts-based guy. We don't have an electric grid or land enough to sustain the amount of solar panels and wind farms you would need to power the future of the United States unless you're going to invest in nuclear power, which a lot of these people don't want to do. And in California this morning, the sun is rising there. It's not yet 10 a.m., It's already in the high 90s in most of the state. It's going to get up above 110 degrees in 90% of the state. And the, the state that demands everyone buy an electric vehicle and get out of their fossil fuel burning vehicle is telling them all, there are only 569,000 total electric vehicles in a state with 38 million vehicles. And the state is telling those, those, 500 some odd thousand vehicle owners. Don't plug in your car. Don't plug in your car. We don't have the power grid. If you don't have the power grid now, and you're not going to build nuclear power plants, 20 of them you would need, you're not going to have the power grid in 10 years either. Which begs the question, raises the question, makes me ask the question, what are they going to do? other than really send people back to the dark ages. They don't have an answer for it. And you're not going to like the answer they give you when they come up with one. Now, this is my time to tell you about Patriot Mobile. And I'm not going to for a reason. Oh, it's a good reason. I'm going to tell you about it when we come back because I'm not going to do a pitch for you. There's actually a news article about Patriot Mobile out there today. And they are being attacked by the left. And it's actually a news story in my stack of stuff that you need to hear about. I'll do the pitch for you to move to Patriot Mobile when we come back, I promise, uh, because this story is too good for me not to share. Uh, The left has finally realized what Patriot Mobile is and they're coming after them. And it's actually a major news story today. And I can't wait to tell you about it on the other side of the commercial break. I'm gonna record this, let Philip put this out on social media as well if he wants to. I do an endorsement for Patriot Mobile. I'm actually a customer of theirs, and I do an endorsement for Patriot Mobile. Normally, I would do that at the end of the last uh, segment, but there's actually a major news article from the left-leaning London Guardian today, and, and I actually want to spend some time with you on that. They're going after Patriot Mobile because it turns out I've been telling you that if you become a customer of Patriot Mobile, you go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, or you call them 972-PATRIOT. They take a portion of their profits and they contribute to the conservative movement from the Second Amendment to the pro-life movement to the causes you care about. One of those causes is local school board elections around the country. And, well, Patriot Mobile has been pouring money into getting conservatives elected to local school boards, and they've been so successful at it 
that the left is coming for them. This is from the London Guardian, again, left-leading major publication. Patriot Mobile, which calls itself America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, has been fueling an extremist conservative movement taking over curriculum in public schools across Texas. Lee Wamsgens, the executive director of the company and its political arm, proudly declared victory in 11 out of 11 school board seats in the last election cycle in school districts around the Dallas-Fort Worth area on behalf of the company and conservative American Christians. She said what this means is that now in North Texas, over 100,000 students who before May had leftist leadership now have conservative leadership. Earlier this year, the company established a political action committee, Patriot Mobile Action, which allows them to legally fundraise and finance political campaigns. By acting as the financial backbone for the campaigns of far-right candidates for school boards, the phone company is seeking to promote its conservative agenda on issues like abortion, books, and gender identity. It happens as across the U.S. school boards and local elections have witnessed intense fights as far-right candidates and groups have sought to win positions. Y'all, Patriot Mobile is putting points on the board. 11 out of 11 victories in school boards. You can be a part of this by taking your business to Patriot Mobile. All you do is go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K, or you can call them 972-PATRIOT. Essentially what happens, here's their business model. You take your cell service to them instead of one of the big providers. They give you guaranteed great service. You can keep your same cell phone number if you want it or get a new one. And then the, you help them generate profits and they take a portion of the profits and they plow it into these races. And now they've become so successful at this that the left is coming for them. National and international news organizations are attacking them. They're going to donate $1.5 million this year. And you can be a part of it by going to patriotmobile.com slash Eric or calling them at 972-PATRIOT, taking your business to them, they share your values, and they are getting results.